Are you here? <laughs> of course you're here. Welcome. It's the Paul Leslie Hour, and we're honored you've tuned in. We have for you today an interview from, well, way back in the archives. This was originally broadcast on radio, and you're about to hear Paul's interview with Irma Thomas, known as the Soul Queen of New Orleans. Irma Thomas is a Grammy Award-winning vocalist and recording artist. She's a great blues singer, soul and gospel singer, an inductee of the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. Oh, yes. Irma Thomas has appeared in, well, too many New Orleans jazz and heritage festivals to count. In fact, she's one of the prominent people in the documentary Jazz Fest, A New Orleans Story, hitting theaters nationwide on June 3rd, 2022. So check it out. Hey, since you're listening, how about considering going to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. You can help us with the never-ending quest of helping people tell their stories. Now, ladies and gentlemen, an interview that's not been heard since its original broadcast. It's time to unearth the Irma Thomas interview right here on The Paul Leslie Hour. It is with great pleasure we welcome Grammy Award-winning soul and rhythm and blues singer, inductee of the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame, the soul queen of New Orleans, Miss Irma Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on our show. My pleasure. My first question, who is Irma Thomas? <laughs> I haven't a clue. I'm just me. <laughs> <laughs> I never dissect who Irma Thomas is. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up in New Orleans? Growing up at what stage? From from real long, a teenage or what? Well, tell us about just kind of like uh, the music you heard growing up. What part oh, I was surrounded from, from a very small child all the way up until I got into the business myself. I mean, yeah, you know, my 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 father on the weekends when, well, even in the evenings when he'd get off from work, he'd come in and put on some BB King or some Lightning Hopkins or some Percy Mayfield or somebody like that. If, he, if the radio wasn't playing the kind of music you want to hear at that time, but during those years you could come, you could turn on your radio and in New Orleans area and any any given station you'd find some good R and B or some you know some good gospel music. So the music was always in the house at one point or another. Well, tell us a little bit about the Baptist Church Choir that you sang in. Oh well, it's just a Baptist Church Choir. I mean, we sing gospel music and. Contemporary as well as old old gospel hymns, yeah. Do you think that the gospel music had an influence on your style? I'm sure it did. I grew up in the church, so uh, I'm sure it, it, it influenced me in many ways. Um, you know, you you are a product of your environment, and since my environment was surrounded by good gospel music and songs of that nature, of course, it influenced me. You mentioned a couple of the. You mentioned, for example, the style of music that you heard around the house, R&B. Can you remember favorite singers growing up? Well, I mean, I was a I was a product of a person who enjoyed good music. It didn't matter who sang it. 
I mean, uh, back in those days, there were there were few in number. I mean, you had your your popular blues artists and you had your popular gospel artists. My parents weren't big fans of what they call hillbilly music because it wasn't called country western back then. It was called hillbilly music. They weren't big fans of that, although I did hear it from time to time because I, for some reason, I used to love this song, OK from Muskogee, and I never got all the words together, but it was yes, you do. So, you know, you didn't have a a large genre of music to, to deal with. I mean, you had your R&B, you had what they call pop music, and then you had your country music and your, and your gospel music. So you, you you had fewer choices in terms of, of genres. I mean, but the music was there. I mean, it was all around you every day. My parents didn't have a car early in my childhood, so turn on your radio, but but in the house and on, on the street corners, you know, growing up in New Orleans, you, you would hear it coming out of the local barroom doors. Uh, even if you went into the grocery stores, they would have a radio on that would be playing some radio station that was blaring some music of some kind. So that's just the way it was when you grew up in this city. So you were influenced by all of that. There was a band leader named Tommy Ridgely, and I was hoping you could tell us about this gentleman. Well, all I can tell you about Tommy originally is I knew him from his musical standpoint. He was a gentleman that was playing in the club where I was the waitress when I got fired for singing and on the job. He hired me as his front singer, and he was a very nice guy. He uh, he was the one who took me to audition for my first recording as a professional singer. The first time he told me about it, he told me to go down to the place to audition, and I thought he was joking, so I didn't go. So the next time he came and got me and brought me down to the place to audition, and the rest is history. Very interesting. Tommy was a very nice guy, very (laughs) even-tempered. Well, tell us about the experience of recording for the first time. What was that like? Was it exciting? I was having a good time. I was singing. I was doing what I enjoyed doing. I didn't have sense enough to be nervous because I was never nervous singing in front of a live audience. Singing into a microphone was it was second nature to me. I didn't. I wasn't involved in all the technical aspects of it. That that was not my interest. So all they told me sing into this microphone and sing this song, and that's what I did. Well, tell us about the experience of working with the songwriter and producer Alan Toussaint. You worked with Mr. Toussaint recording. Yes, with. I did. Tell us about him and, and just your experiences. Yes, I did. Well, with Alan, it was a case of uh, he would write a song and he would teach you the song. And, and uh, you know, this was, the way he, this was the way he did his productions. He would write a, a song for the specific person that he wanted to sing it and teach it to them. And by the time you got to the studio, you knew exactly how you were going to sing it once you got into the studio. And that was his process. When you look at all the different people that you've worked with in the music business, is there someone that, in your mind, has been a favorite person to work with? Well, basically all of them. I've only had one or two, one or two people that I didn't particularly like working with because of their technique and their attitude towards me. Other than that, most people I work with, producers, have been very, very nice, very cooperative. Our special <laughs> guest is Miss Irma Thomas. Tell us about the song, Anyone Who Knows What Love Is. It was a song that was given to me along the sessions that I recorded in California. Oh, that's right. That was a, Now, wasn't that a song that was it was also done by the Rolling Stones? No. That's a, t- Time Is On My Time Side. Time Is On My Side was done by the Rolling Stones. 
That's right. When you look at all the songs you recorded, do you have a favorite song? Not really. I mean, I have some that I I, I do more than I do others, but I mean, I, I'd have to say if there's going to be a favorite, it'd have to be the one that was the first one to hit the major charts for me, which was I Wish Someone Would Care. It went all the way to number 17 in the, in the top billboard charts in the nation, so I would have to say that one. Now, tell us a little bit about the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. You've been appearing every year. That's a, an event that's held every year in New Orleans. Tell us about that event. Well, I've been a part of that event since 1975, and it's it's been a wonderful a showcase for a lot of the local talent in Louisiana. It brings a large spectrum of people from out of the country that normally, you know, that would not that you would normally not play to unless you traveled abroad uh, to those various countries. So it's it's a great venue for local entertainers. Something that I've wondered is there's been so many great musicians of just any type that have come out of Louisiana. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but it is unique to it's unique to the Louisiana area because unlike other cities and states that border uh that border the coast, uh we have, you know, we have immigrants from from every country just like New York have immigrants from every country, so does Texas. It's a border state. California is a border state, but Louisiana and New Orleans just have to just happen to be unique in that our our music is just different. In what way would you say it's different? Well, we manage to incorporate all of the ethnicity that's living in our city and in our state within our music. For instance, if if you if you grew up in New Orleans, you have you have influences of French, German, Spanish, Italian, you name it. It's 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 even in the food. We managed to cross-pollinate, as I could put it that way. We managed to cross-pollinate our music just like we cross-pollinate our food. You you hear a little tinge of all of that in our in our music when we perform. Very interesting answer. Now, in April of 2007, you were inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. You've had many records. You've had a lot of performances. When you look back at your career, what are you most proud of? Uh, all of it. <laughs> all of it. I mean, it's a very humbling experience. Not only was I entered the, entered, inducted into the Louisiana Hall of Fame, I was also inducted into the to the Blues Hall of Fame in Memphis this year, back in May. So, you know, it's it's just a humbling experience to know that people care enough to want to keep you around in some form throughout eternity. <laughs> Do you have any plans at the time to record? Other than to make a good record, none None specifically. We try to record music that we think our fan base will enjoy and appreciate our effort enough to want to spend money and buy it and, uh, you know, continue to listen to it. You know, I, I, I look at all of the things that have happened to me over the last few years and, and, and consider that an honor that folk care enough to do that. I mean, I, you know, went in the Grammy and went in the, the induction into both of the Hall of Fames. Those are very humbling experiences for an, for an entertainer. Some people work a lifetime and never get those accolades given to them. And so 
to have that happen to me, it's just very humbling. And I try to go in the studio with all that in mind, saying, okay, these people care enough to do this for me, then I'm going to care enough to put as much love and, 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 and emotion into these songs when I record them as I do when I'm on stage. So when I go in the studio, I just pretend that I am on stage performing to a live audience. And that's the way I hope it comes across. Wow, that's that's very interesting. There's something I have to touch on. There's a Jimmy Buffett song called Saxophones where he kind of like, uh, I guess he tips the hat to you because he has said a couple of times that you were one of his favorite singers when he lived in New Orleans. And he mentions you in the song. He's, he calls you Sweet Arma Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard people tell me that many times, and I've met him, and he's very he's a very nice person, very humbling experience, you know, being around him. He's very down-to-earth, laid-back, you know, and to find people who have had that stardom of his magnitude to even have time to even listen to me is just, just a nice feeling. <laughs> I wanted to just touch on this just a little bit, but a lot of people out there may not realize that after Hurricane Katrina, some people think just because a few years have passed that everything is back to normal, and that's just not true. Well, everybody's entitled to an opinion. <laughs> well, what's your opinion? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't have one in, in, in that situation. I, I really can't say, you know. Like I said, everybody's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> right, right. Well, <laughs> the, the, one of the things about Louisiana is they have some of the best food that you can get anywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree on that point. <laughs> <laughs> you do have an opinion on that. So I have to ask you, what, oh, is, yeah. what is the best place in Louisiana to go get something to eat, and what do you get? Anywhere, anywhere you go. I would say in Louisiana, any any recommended restaurant or non recommended restaurant. I have not had a bad dish of food at any restaurant I've ever gone to. I have not, and I mean, then that's honestly speaking. Because if I had, I would say so. But I have not had a bad dish of food at any restaurant, whether it was a restaurant that was recommended or one that we just happened to pop into to get a, get a quick bite. They've all been very good tasting food, and, and the key to it is that Louisiana people season their food very well, whereas when you travel to the east or to the west coast, they tend to leave out a lot of the spices that we use when we cook in Louisiana, and it takes away from the taste that we're accustomed to, and I think that's why we we have so many people come to, to Louisiana and to New Orleans and enjoy the food because it, it has something to wake up the taste buds. Yes, I'd have to agree with that. Now, do you have a favorite dish? <laughs> well, no food. <laughs> I'm, I tell you what, I do tend to lean toward greens. I love my, my mustard greens and my collard greens. I'm not big on the turnips, but my mustard greens, my collard greens, and my cabbage, yes, I love those. I'm a, I'm a big salad off and all that, but I love my salads. I let us with and slice up uh, some bell peppers, red, yellow, and green bell peppers in it, and I put a couple of the little 
the little, they all, they're not really as spicy as the other, and I don't know what they call them, but they, they're another member of the pepper family. And I always put some cucumbers in mine, and I'll either use Creole tomatoes or the cherry tomatoes, but tomatoes go in, and I toss that, and that's a meal to me. <laughs> because I've always, I've always loved my vegetables. There are very few vegetables I don't eat. Turnips is the only one that I'm not big on, but I will eat them if they're cooked, cooked you know, a tasteful way I will eat them because I don't never say no. But I love my vegetables. Uh, I can make. I don't it know why I'm so fat because I love vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I can make an entire meal out of greens. But uh, is there anything in yeah. the future with Irma Thomas? I'm working on my book because after Katrina, I got delayed with like everybody else. I'm trying to, you know, in the midst of trying to get my life back together, my home life in terms of getting my living quarters back together to be in a living state. And uh, I kind of got away from getting the book together, but I'm still working on that. And there's a possibility in some distant future that there may be a movie about me. I don't know why, but I guess they find it interesting. <laughs> You're so humble. Now, tell us, this is going to be your life story, this book? Basically, in my musical life, yeah. They're oh. trying. Uh, uh, I'm trying to just be. be uh, it's, it's going to be a combination of both because you can't really do one without the other. Uh, it's basically, my, my, my book is going to be basically about my, my upbringing and my growing up and my childhood. Uh, my teenage pregnancy time and how I came out of that and got my degree and, and you know, the things that have happened to me from that time up to the time the book is finished. Because I feel since I had to go, not had to, I volunteered to do it, speaking to uh, young women and, and women who became mothers young and even mothers who are single, try to inspire them to go ahead on and get educated and, and better their living conditions through education, I decided to go ahead on and write the book so they can see and have reference to how I did it and what was my motivation and that sort of thing. So that was the reason I, I want to do the book. I'm not a movie. I don't know why I want to do a movie on me because, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just like any other life story. I grew up. I had my trials and my tribulations. and. And that's what it is, but they seem to think it would make an interesting movie. I don't know why, but it's on them. <laughs> but well, the book I wanted to do to be able to have something to young people, not necessarily just young women, but young people in general. We'll certainly look forward to that. I want all the listeners out there to check out IrmaThomas.com. Now, before we go, I have one final question. This show goes out all over the world. What would you like to say to all the people that are listening in? Well, Irma Thomas is still vibrant at 68, still performing and enjoying it and having a wonderful time of it. And uh, look forward to some future recordings. We, not, we just finished a project where I'm celebrating 50 years in the business. And uh, I'm looking forward to my next project in, in the studio and some tours, hopefully. <laughs> And thanking everyone for being dedicated fans. And thank you very much for this interview. You're welcome. It was a great pleasure to speak with you. Same here. <laughs> so uh, thanks again. Okay. And have a wonderful day. You're welcome. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. 
The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.